Hey everyone, this is John Gunter with the Eagle Community Church of Christ. Thanks so much for listening to our podcast. What you found here is the teaching uh, preaching podcast from our church. You can check us out online if you'd like to, eaglechurchofchrist.com. Today, we are in the second of a three uh, lesson series called Faith, Hope, and Love. And of course, it means we're talking about hope. What does hope mean? I, I, will, I will discuss that during this sermon and uh, talk about what it means to, to have a hope versus when you feel hopeless and how difficult that can be and even how dark that can be as well. So today, again, we're talking about hope and the hope we find in Jesus Christ. Thanks so much for listening. We continue our series this week. Uh, We're talking just uh, faith, hope, and love. Very, very simple thing, but this time of the year in the Christmas season, that's what it's all about, that we think about our faith, the hope that we have in Jesus Christ and the love that was poured out to all of us by uh, what God did for us. And so last week we talked about faith. And if you remember, we talked about how faith is not just something you say, I believe. Faith has to mean more than that. Faith says you have to have action. We went over to James 2, uh, where James says, how can you have a faith that doesn't, you know, have some deeds, have something that we can see from it? Because that's just saying, I believe something. And so we talked about how faith really means trust. That if I trust in God, uh, if I really trust in God, if I really have faith, well, that means something different for my life. That means I have to live a different way than maybe even I want to, or what my nature says, you know, I'd really like to be doing this or living this way, but God tells me otherwise, and I do trust him, and so I'm going to follow him. And so we talked about faith. Remember, we talked about uh, from 1 Corinthians 13, the very last verse, uh, verse 13, and now these three remain, faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is faith, right? The greatest, of these is, that, the, the greatest of these is love, which, by the way, I'll be out next week. Paul is going to fill in. I know he's going to do a wonderful job. Um, but isn't it amazing that, that the Scripture doesn't say faith is the most important, that it is the love that comes out of all of this? Uh, I, I feel like, I don't think anybody ever told me this, but as I grew up, I, I felt like it was all about faith, you know, what I believed or how I believed it or whatever. But, but Paul says faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. So the greatest of these is how that action, how it changes your life and what people see from it, that I do love God and I do love other people. And you see that pouring out of my faith and hope. So that action, that loving action that comes out of my life is the most important thing. And I think you'll really enjoy next week. But today we talk about hope. Hope may feel like this kind of flimsy thing. We will throw out things like, well, all we can do now is hope. You know, we also do that about prayer, but we believe in the power of prayer, right? Anybody accidentally ever said, well, all we can do now is pray, like, as if that was like, yeah, I've exhausted everything. We'll just throw up a prayer like I don't really believe it. I mean, I mean, we've done it, haven't we? I've done it. And that's kind of the way it feels with hope. Is sometimes we just, we feel like hope is very thin, all I can do is hope. But hope is a very powerful thing. Um, when you think about, and somebody turned in a card about the, the storm victims. We are going to pray for them. I just want you all to know that at the end as well. 
Um, but even in a situation like that, where uh, anybody see the candle factory that just got demolished, just just heartbreaking. And so many people were saved from it, but they were saying, you know, there's so much metal and everything collapsed now that it's just going to be a miracle if anybody else, you know, comes out of it. And so when we see like that, when there's not much hope, that can kind of take us into some dark places, can't it? It can kind of pull us down. Whereas when you have hope in a situation, it feels like optimism. It feels like, okay, there, there's a really good chance that this is going to happen and, and I'm ready for it. And so you, you live accordingly. If I have hope, I'm more optimistic. I feel like, hey, yes. But if I lose that hope, man, that can drag us down into some places, uh, even drag us into things like depression. Um, and just because I mentioned depression, I, I just want to say uh, when I preach a sermon like this, and you hear the word depression. I don't ever want you to think oh, what John's saying is uh, if I'm in a depression, I don't have enough faith or hope or whatever the case may be. I'm not saying that. Because if you find yourself in a depression, I want you to get help. It does not mean you don't have enough faith. We need to, uh, we need to see uh, the proper people for that. Uh, the, the reason I'm sensitive to that, I, I preached a sermon one time, and a guy came up very concerned. He said, you know, John, uh, some people need medication. I was like, listen, yeah. I didn't say they didn't, you know. Uh, and, and so I'm really concerned about that uh, because sometimes you can come away from uh, a place like this where you think, we put so much emphasis and power in the word of God. I don't want to be misconstrued as you don't have faith if you go into that place. OK, so I want you to, to find help. But hope can actually bring us into that when it's not a medical condition. That it's just dragging us there, a lack of hope. And so we're going to we're going to talk about just a few things in faith, hope and love. Um, we said this last week. I want to reread it again. Now, faith is the confidence in what we hope for. Do you see the connection? Faith is the confidence in what we hope for. You see those working together. So hope by itself may seem a little thin, sometimes a little flighty, but what scripture is saying here, the Hebrew writer is saying, faith, that faith you have is the confidence that what you hope for will come about. And the thing is, uh, in in Christianity, in the word of God, God does not ask you to believe in something that he has not proven. God is not asking you to believe in his love when he has shown none. God is not asking you to believe in his power and he's shown you nothing he's created or nothing he's done. Okay, so script, what we find in scripture is God's promises that are fulfilled. So you have faith that gives you confidence of that hope that we have in Jesus Christ. And so that's what you see here. Faith is the confidence in what we hope for and the assurance about what we do not see. Though you do not see it, we have it because of that hope we find in Jesus Christ. I haven't shown too many Psychology Today articles up here, uh, but we're going to do that today. Uh, from Karen Hall, I want you to uh, see this. In 1965, Martin Seligman discovered, learned helplessness. Interesting couple of words there, right? Learned helplessness. He found that when animals are subjected to difficult situations they cannot control, they stop trying to escape. They become passive. So in, in this scenario, the animal has lost hope of ever changing what is going on, that nothing can be changed. It's all just kind of set in motion. Some of you may feel that way about your life. Like I, 
It just is what it is. I can't get out of it. I can't change my situation. And so there's a loss of hopelessness here. She goes on to say, human beings are the same. If you experience a uh, devastating defeats, a persistent situation that you can't change, or a terrifying event that you could not control your exposure to, then you may have lost hope for your ability to change your life or to change painful situations. I don't know if it was this study um, uh, that that I just referenced there or she just referenced, um, but I, I read of a study when I was at, at Harding where I believe it, they would put something in a, in a monkey cage, and every time the monkeys would go up to it, they would like spray them with water or something and knock them down. And so it was, you know, a negative, like, like if you reached in the cookie jar and your mom or grandma slapped you every time. Well, next time you, you look a couple times for you, but you're, you know. And so they started doing that. Well, and eventually they quit trying to get up there. There was no hope in attaining the goal. And what was crazy in that study is even generations after that, in the same cage, same, you know, monkeys, but it was, you know, uh, not brother and sister, but child, the baby. Thank you, Jordan. Good think of babies. It's wonderful. Um, but even the babies wouldn't get up there anymore. Like they never tried to get up there because they were, they were being taught, you don't get up there and that something bad's going to happen. They had lost, the parents had lost all hope of, of that happening. And so again, it can be a, a very negative thing if we don't have hope. But hope in the other sense can be very positive and drive who we are, how we live our life. And that's a very powerful thing. Because that impacts, just like in that study, it impacts not only us, but it impacts our kids, who they turn out to be, and their kids and their kids and kids on down the line that won't even remember your name because of who you were and what you taught and the hope you lived by. And that's an amazingly powerful thing. Um. If you think too much about that, if you look around the world today and you're upset about it, I kind of want to say, well, who raised them? I'm not going to say that today, uh, but <laughs> who raised them? But that's how it goes. That If we raise, if we are impacted by this hope, we share that with our kids. Our kids share that with their kids. And you keep going and going. Uh, from Hebrews 6, when God made his promise to Abraham, since there was no one greater for him to swear by, he swore by himself, saying, I will surely bless you and give you many descendants. And so after waiting patiently, Abraham received what was promised. People swear by someone greater than themselves, and the oath confirms what is said and puts an end to all argument. Because God wanted to make uh, the unchanging nature of his purpose, the unchanging nature of God's purpose. That's what he's saying. My purpose for you never changes. He wanted to make that clear to his heirs of what was promised. He confirmed it with an oath. God did this so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled to take hold of the hope set before us may be greatly encouraged. So this is scripture saying, all right, know your Bible. Read what God promised to Abraham, this covenant that God makes with Abraham to have these descendants as many as the stars in the sky and the sands on the seashore. Church, was he, was he faithful to that? God was faithful, wasn't he? And so God is not asking you to, hey, just, just believe, and I've, ne- I've never shown you my faithfulness. What the scripture is saying is, know your Bible, see what God has done, have faith and have hope to come from that. He says, Though we have, have fled to take hold of the hope 
that we can grasp it, that it can change us because we believe in something greater. Isn't that, isn't that interesting? He says, we have this hope as an anchor for the soul. That's poetic right there. That hope that you have anchoring you to Jesus Christ, that relationship that you have. How many of you like that has been my anchor throughout? Like there are times when there was nothing else I had, but I felt an anchor to God. I felt an anchor to Jesus Christ in my soul. And man, that's powerful by itself, right? Because you have that hope through that anchor with Jesus that though I don't see any way out, though I don't see you know a way out of this tunnel, this uh, wherever I am, that I do have this connection to God who is faithful and who will bring me out of this. One of my favorite things to ask you, and I, I probably ask you four times uh, by now, but is just looking around the room and saying, how many of you have lived long enough to have a situation that you didn't see any way out of? And living on this side of it, you say, yeah, God took me out of it. He was working when I didn't feel it. He was doing things when I didn't know it. And now because of that, you're just like the Hebrew writer saying, look at Scripture. Look at your life. Look at the way God has helped you along the way, even in those difficult circumstances where we feel like throwing up our hands and going, well, all I do now is pray, as if that weren't very meaningful. He says it's an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where our forerunner Jesus has entered on our behalf. He has become a high priest forever in the order of of Melchizedek. And all this is saying, the whole book of Hebrews is, again, just talking about that Jesus is enough, that Jesus is greater than anyone who's come before. It talks about Moses. It talks about angels. Uh, people worship angels. That's kind of why it's, and listen, that's not important. But that's what he's saying there. Jesus is enough. And Jesus was our sacrifice. And Jesus walked in and he is the high priest. He is able to go in and atone for all of our sins that even while we were sinners, we didn't earn it, that God was faithful to us, that he said, I want that relationship with you. Your hope can be in this because of what Jesus did. Amen? That's why we're here this morning, right? What hope do you have? Look at this. Who is going to harm you? Now, the backstory to First Peter is Peter is writing to a church that is experiencing a different kinds of persecution. So there are different things going on that the church was having to deal with. We, again, we really haven't experienced this at all. We kind of get upset over little things that really aren't persecutions. We're blessed for that. Don't get me wrong. But we haven't experienced this. And so Peter's writing to people who have gone through a lot. And what he says, who is going to harm you if you are eager to do good? But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear their threats. Do not be frightened. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always pre uh, be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. I'll keep reading and come back to this one in just a second. He says, but do this with gentleness and respect. Whew. If y'all don't hear anything from this sermon, won't you hear this line today? How would our culture change immediately if we all said today, okay, when I have disagreements with someone, I'm going to disagree with gentleness and respect. I mean, immediate change, right? We're upset about everything. I, I kind of have to watch uh, what, I, what I post on social media. Uh, when baseball came back after COVID, 
I post on social media something like, uh, hey, I'm, I'm just glad that baseball's back. Comment. Well, I don't watch any professional sports because of my, my, my. Thank you. Uh, thanks for sharing that, I guess. I don't know. I posted, a, I posted a scripture one time, and uh, a person I, that I've known since I was a kid posted on there, well, John Robert, that's my name, if, if you know where I came from, that's my name. Well, John Robert, I don't understand that because I only like this version. Like, we can't do anything without somebody getting upset, right? So you're saying, you know, you have this hope, and people want to know about it, but when you talk about it, do so with gentleness and respect because of who you are. Because you are God's and God has shown you love and grace and mercy. So we should show people love and grace and mercy. But we are so eager to attack, aren't we? I need to be right. Boy, I'm bad about that. I need to be right. My wife probably wouldn't agree with that. She'd rather now. Eh, no, no question. But yeah, we want to be right. We want to make that argument. We want to do so with force. He says, if you do this with gentleness and respect, you keep a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed for their slander. For it is better if it is God's will to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. All right, we have that backwards right now, don't we? We don't, we don't think about doing things with gentleness and respect. We think about if somebody offends us or attacks us, we need to meet force with force, fire with fire, right? You take a shot at me, I'm shooting back, right? That kind of deal, figuratively, hopefully. But he's saying, you know, think about who you are and the hope that you have. And think about the witness you have because you act in this way. Because you are a changed person because of that faith, because of that confidence you have in who God is and what God has done for you. When, you, when people come against you and all you do is return, hey, I care about you, and this is why I'm not going to return this kind of attitude or this kind of violence or whatever the case may be. That's a different way to show who we are, right? Because if Christians, if people who claim Christ just go out into the world and act exactly the same way as everybody else, well, what does that show the world? There is no difference, right? But Jesus came just to say, hey, keep being you. You do you, world, right? But Jesus came to say, no, this is different. You need to be different. And that's what Peter said. Even when people come against you, even when you uh, go under all these persecutions, he said, look at it. He said, look, he said, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously, because people are still going to talk about you, by the way. He said, even when they do that maliciously against your good behavior in Christ, may be ashamed of their slander. So if nothing else, people have to kind of look back and go, what was that about? Because once we, we meet that, that fire with fire, then you have an excuse. Well, they were doing this. Think about last week when we talked about the old uh, kind of church father, uh, disciple of, of John, uh, the apostle John, Polycarp. When they come in and they they know they're going to take this man to uh, to the arena and possibly be killed, and they come in and this this older man is sitting there, and they were impressed by him. They we're taking this guy. They were so impressed by him. Instead of just taking him, they allowed him to to pray. And remember, he prayed for two hours. It was not nearly enough. You're about to die. <laughs> just go all day with that. 
But even, even when uh, Polycarp was taken before the proconsul, the proconsul was saying, hey, don't, don't die because of this. Just say Caesar is Lord. Just see, say you believe Caesar is Lord. The implication is you don't even have to believe it. You know, Just say it so you don't die. Polycarp looks at the guy and he says, listen, if you want to learn about Christianity, let's set aside, let's set aside a Bible study. That's basically what he said. Because his hope and his confidence there was just coming out. I know God's got me in this. I know because what God has done in my life, what I've seen in Scripture and what I've seen play out in my life, I know that God has me. You remember that quote? Uh, he, he has been there with me for 86 years. Why would I turn against him? Because of that hope that he has, he can live in that way. We're not returning uh, those, those evil things. Uh, back to verse 15. I'm, I'm jumping back two verses here. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Now, we probably know this verse. I had it quoted a lot when I was a kid. And we're probably, we, we get stuck on uh, the Great Commission from Matthew, you know, go into all the world and, and, and always like an active thing that we go and we share our faith. But I think it works in two different ways because this is what, what Peter is saying here. Just be ready to give an answer for that hope that is within you. So if I ask you right now, what hope do you have, church? What hope is it that has brought you here this morning? That you didn't go do something else, you didn't sleep in longer or whatever else you could have been doing. Just have that ready. I experienced this in my, my life. I think I've shared about a buddy of mine that I went to college with. And one day he just comes up to me and says, I want to be baptized. I want to start, I want to start following Jesus like you are. And I immediately felt bad because I didn't like have an intentional Bible study. You know, we didn't do that. He'd gone to church with me some, you know, when I go to uh, see my parents and uh, when I go back home, he'd go with me since he was there. Uh, but he just, he just said, I just love the way, you know, you have this mindset about how you want to live your life. I guess I had talked about that some. And like I said, I felt bad in the beginning, but over the years I thought, well, that's kind of what we need to be doing. We need to be ready. We need to have these things, have our faith impact our life that people can see that and see that we're different, to see that we have a different outlook. Uh, and that hope that we have should be pretty contagious, shouldn't it? I was uh, in Texarkana, Texas. I was a uh, hospice chaplain for a while. Actually, I was the bereavement coordinator. So my job was either to talk to families right before their loved one passed um, and, and then call them after the loved one passed to Say, hey, we're here for you. You know, can we help you, support you in any way, that kind of thing? And nobody likes those phone calls, right? I mean, you got a friend that passes, you got to call the family. That's not what I say. I don't know what to say. But I'll tell you guys, even though I kind of dreaded those phone calls, when I called and it was somebody of a great faith, <laughs> there were several phone calls that I got. I got off the phone and I was smiling. I was grinning ear to ear because they were just happy. Because their faith was true. Their confidence in God was so high. Yes, they were upset. Yes, they were in mourning. But that's just for a little while. It's what, you know, the implication was, this is just for a little bit. We are so happy that they get to go live with God now. And they're no longer in pain right here. I'm telling you, I dreaded those calls and I got off and I, I was in a good mood. I, that doesn't even sound right, does it? 
But that faith and hope just kind of drips out of people who, who have that confidence in who God is. And that's what I think we see here in Scripture. This is from Isaiah 40, and I think you'll recognize this verse. But I just want to point out, when you see formatting like this in your Bible, we're talking poetry. Okay? And so this is, this is what uh, is in poetry here in Isaiah 40. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Somebody needs to say amen on that. Some of you are weary right now, aren't you? Can't wait for Christmas to be over. Some of you, right? But Scripture is telling you because of this hope that we have in God and and we see who God is, that God can provide things that we don't even see as possible. Because of who God is. Remember, it says, you, even, even the kids who, if you look at mine, you think that's impossible for them to be weary at any point. But even these kids grow weary, but God does not. He is there. He is faithful to us. And because he is faithful, he provides us with those things. And that hope that we have in him brings us on wings like eagles. And in times where we just don't understand how we could take another step how we can even have the next meal or how we can get through the situation. And God provides us with that power. And he brings us that hope, brings us along. It says they will renew their strength. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. I don't, again, I don't want you to take this out of context and think, man, I'm tired right now. I must not have enough faith. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about when you are worn out, life is beating you down. God is still there and he is still still there for you in that moment that you can draw power, you can draw optimism, you can draw hope from him because of who he is. And that's who that's who I hope our church is. Is that as we have people come in here that have never been here before, I hope what they find is a church that has a great faith and hope in who God is and what God has done for us. Because if they find a church like that, they're going to find a very loving church, a church that cares about who they are, where they are, are their needs being met. And that's an attractive thing. I don't know what I would do without my faith and hope. Because for me, that is an anchoring point for my life. And that's all I'm going to ask you right now. Is it an anchoring point for you? Because that's that's what God wants for you. We've studied uh, how many how many lessons on how God has pursued us. He wants to dwell with us. He wants to be with you because he loves you so much. Is this driving your life? Is your faith and hope impacting who you are? If it's not, we're going to sing an invitation song in just a minute. And I'd love to pray with you. I'd love to share that with the church that we can all be praying for each other. What a wonderful thing that we have a, a group here that we can support each other, be there uh, when we're in need. And I'll tell you right now, you guys can always pray for me. Please do. Because I need it. We talked about it before. Some days I'm going to be the one who's weary. And you need to pick me up 
and encourage me. Some days you're going to be the one that's weary and I'm going to need to pick you up and encourage you. So I don't care where you are on that, that scale right now. Is your hope pulling you forward? Do you still have a hope in who God is? If you have any needs this morning, uh, we're going to sing this song. If you'd like to put on Christ in baptism, we can make that happen as well. Start that beginning, start that walk with Him as a new person. As you put off your old self and say, today I'm following God. Would you do that as we stand and sing? Yes. <laughs>